The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It is a great a pleasure and privilege now to welcome to the show the former President of Ireland and the Chair of the Elders, Mary Robinson. Mary, you're very welcome to The Hard Shoulder and thank you for taking the time uh, to speak to us. We were, like everybody else, yesterday discussing the deal that was uh, signed off at the end of COP28. Um, too much fanfare, though already criticised in some quarters for pulling its punches or not going far enough or allowing so many loopholes that it will allow petrol states to reverse back through um, the obligations therein. What is your assessment of that deal? Well, I think it's often better to wait a day or so and just let the whole package sink in. Uh, I, I, I must excuse my voice. I'm suffering from a cold having travelled back from Dubai. Uh, so my voice is um, gone even lower. You are. It, it, it is that. It is that time of the year. Everybody has them. <laughs> it is. But no, the elders. We welcomed the signal um, that the fossil fuel era must end. But frankly, um, the transition away from fossil fuel is full of loopholes. I don't think the fossil fuel lobby is worried enough um, about this. Um, it, it had been worried beforehand about language like phase down, phase out. Sorry, phase out, um, which which we very much championed. Um, but they managed to ensure that that didn't get into the text. Um, but, you know, looking at the overall package, there are some good indications there, tripling renewable energy um, by 2030 and doubling energy efficiency is really important. But unfortunately, the finance package that should go with that isn't there. Now, I understand in a sense, because I know that Eamon Ryan was trying very hard to get more wording towards the next COP, COP29 in Baku um, is the uh, COP that will uh, decide finance. Um, But in fact, during this coming year, we have to work very hard to get the proper commitment to further maybe taxation of uh, aviation, of uh, maritime, of uh, carbon, uh, a a, a broader carbon tax, a levy. Um, There are many ideas and there's there's actually a, uh, a good tax task force looking at this, a task force on means of increasing the financial pot, if I could put it that way, mm. and that's shared by Laurel Stubiana, whom I work with very closely. And so uh, that's going to be a conversation during this year to get the money to make it possible for developing countries to get into the clean energy very rapidly. And that will help. But actually, we still need uh, to, to be true to the science and the science is very strict. Do you believe that we will stay under 1.5 degree centigrade temperature increase? I believe that it is extremely important that we hold that as the limit on a really livable world, because that's what the scientists tell us. Uh, in fact, this year we have tipped above it briefly. Uh, the point is, that's why we do need some carbon capture, which was mentioned a lot during this uh, thing. We needed to capture what's already there, not to permit further fossil fuel emissions over decades, which is what the fossil fuel lobby would like. And to have a very expensive technology costing trillions then to take it out of the atmosphere. <laughs> so um, we're, we're, we're at a very acute point. Let me put it this way. And the scientists tell us that we have to have a peak peaking meaning reach the top of global greenhouse gas emissions by 2025. That's coal, oil and gas. And then we have to reduce by 43% 
by 2030. At the moment, we're on course for an increase of 9%. That's how serious it is. So, you know, a transition away from fossil fuels is good language to hear because it means the end of the era of fossil fuel. But science tells us that has to be terribly quick. But uh, again, kind of a risk of repeating myself. I mean, do you believe we will do that? I accept it's your it's it's your belief that that is what is important. But where we are now, standing at this point in time, how realistic is it that we will we will peak in terms of fossil fuel consumption and production within two years, and then we will get back down to that one point five degree temperature increase? I think we have to. I mean, I do believe that we need urgently to make that effort because this, you can't negotiate with science and you can't negotiate with nature, and we are. Um, on a certain edge with both. And we have no choice if we want a world that's livable for our children and grandchildren. So, of course, um, I believe and I'm going to work like nobody's business to make sure it happens. Um, What we need to do is to have countries like Ireland, all the European countries, the United States, all the historic emitters, as they're called, those, those of us who built our economies on fossil fuel, come in with further nationally determined contributions, which means committing to um, being more energy efficient, tripling uh, renewable energy. Ireland is in a good position to move with that green energy. You you saw the way the United States, with its Inflection Reduction Act, um, has galvanized the United States towards clean energy. And uh, that's what we need to do more in Ireland. We need to make it um, affordable and accessible for people. We need to make um, electric vehicles um, much more affordable. We need to insulate houses, um, especially social housing. We're doing it, but we need to do it much more. I mean, really more. We need to uh, get the wind energy off the coast really moving. Um, All of that requires a kind of crisis mode that it's hard for politicians to be Mm. in crisis mode until people are in crisis mode. But it's absolutely in our interests and it will help people enormously. It'll be a healthier, safer, cleaner, fairer world if we can just move more rapidly into the clean energy um, revolution, if you like. And do you think people are in crisis mode? Most people will. uh, uh, There's very few people left who would dispute the science to the same degree they might have a few years ago. But but I, I'm not sure I would describe people as being in crisis mode. They'd agree broadly with what you're saying. Oh, yeah, we must do that. We must get rid of our old yeah. oil boiler. We must eventually get an EV. But it's a lot of it is eventually, a lot of it is, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. We need more conversations. Um, I know that there's a great climate science scientist, um, Catherine Hayhoe, uh, who lives in Texas, who works with the uh, Trump supporters, trying to convert them to her great credit. She's Canadian. Um, and she says, she's written a book about it called Saving Us. We don't talk enough about it. We need to talk much more because we need to understand um, a whole new situation uh, where uh, we, through our activities, have taken ourselves out of harmony um, with, with nature. Um, and that's really very serious. Uh, I'm actually uh, a guardian of the planetary boundaries. If you really want to get into some technology here and fancy words, um, there are nine planetary boundaries. um, And that includes all the ways in which we've interfered with nature, if you like, Mm. um, and and made it more difficult. And we've recovered one of those planetary boundaries, which is the ozone layer. We actually were terrified 
uh, 20 years ago that we were going to fry. I don't know if you remember that. I, I do. I remember it in school. Yeah. It was the big thing. No CFCs in your Same spray year. cans. Well, we actually recovered that, believe it or not. And that's that's in a good place now. Um, uh, but other planetary boundaries are not looking too good. And it, it, it's, it's, it's necessary for people not to have a scare about it, but to see the potential for moving very rapidly. And all we've got to do is move the money. I mean, the world spends seven trillion dollars a year on what is harming us, the subsidies for fossil fuel. Um, And if we switch that to subsidize clean energy, subsidize us all, subsidize farmers into the good practices, help them to really know um, that the, the, the state is on their side in trying to make the kind of changes in organic farming, in, um, in, in, in farming that's not using as much nitrates, but doing it in a way that helps them, not putting a burden where there's already a feeling, you know, we, we've had bad weather all year, what are we going to do? Um, I, I, I think it's really important that we excite people with the potential of this, not scare them too much, and with the fact that uh, the science tells us we absolutely have to do it. Uh, the the COP28 president, Sultan Al-Jabbar, described it as a historic package. Uh, at the outset of COP, of course, uh, he came in for a lot of criticism uh, for, for criticising himself, the science, uh, the climate science. Um, and I'm reminded of that old saying, you know, when somebody shows you who they are, you should believe them. Is it your sense that the UAE and, and other petrostates, that they participate because they believe in the mission or they participate because they believe they need to be seen to believe in the mission? Well, it's certainly important to distinguish language of emissions and language of phasing out fossil fuel. Language of emissions is we want to continue with our emissions because we're making such huge profits. And we'll have a technology called carbon capture, which has never been um, developed to scale um, of what they're talking about and would cost trillions in about 10 years time when maybe it might be at scale. So we would be continuing to harm, you know, have emissions that harm us so we can use high technology um, to capture it in ways that we still don't fully understand. But it would cost trillions instead of moving to the clean energy, which is much cheaper. Clean energy is very competitive now. Um, solar, wind, um, you know, we, we, we really have the possibilities of moving totally to clean energy if we shift the money that is subsidizing what is harming us, as I said. And um, so it's a uh, it's a false situation. And uh, there's an awful lot of money behind it. That's the trouble. And the lobbyists were there in strength, which is why we couldn't get the phase out language, which we need for science. So is COP still then the best vehicle for change? Well, it's the only real one. I mean, we work with what what we have. Many of us have called for reform of the COP to make it smaller and more focused on governments and what they should be doing because that's really what the UN is about. Um, but it's become a kind of circus where everybody you know, comes with their ideas and pledges of this, that, and the other. Some pledges are good. We do need the energy of the corporate sector to move with us. And there's a very good corporate sector that I actually was talking to on the Zoom earlier today called the B Team of Business Leaders. And they led a very good statement during the COP all about phasing out fossil fuel. That's what they want. They're corporations, but they know and they read the science and they understand. And we need more um, uh, you know, of that. But most of all, we need governments, um, especially um, the, you know, the governments of the G20, the big emitters, um, historic emitters, and uh, the new emitters that are very significant, like India and, and, uh, and China, um, Russia, Saudi Arabia, all of those. But 
uh, it does need more financing. And, and that is something that uh, I think we need to uh, really um, pay attention to over the next year into COP29. Oh, it, the, the, the difficulty in achieving consensus or, or a deal that, you know, people like yourself might be happy with, what, what do you put that down to? Is, is it resistance from those petrol states? Is it the presence of all those absolutely. corporate lobbyists? Absolutely. Is it No question. Yeah, it's, it's absolute resistance. Of they petrol states, four, okay. They, the fossil fuel lobby spends $4 billion a year on bad communications, meaning muddying the science, making people feel it's not really true, saying um, poor people can't um, continue in their poor lives unless we have fossil fuel. Developing countries need fossil fuel for their development, all of these things. Um, we need you know, to have a big communications the other way. The future is um, renewable energy. Uh, we have to be fair and make that renewable energy available to, for example, the 600 million in Africa that never switch the switch for electricity or the 900 million women who cook on dirty cook stoves and, cook, and ingest uh, fumes of fossil fuel. When we were in Dubai, it was one day when my team and myself, we were complaining about the fumes of the fossil fuel from the flaring by the company of the president of the COP. His, <laughs> the flaring of his oil and gas was such that we were suffering in our throats. And people die, a lot of people die from the pollution of fossil fuel every year. Well, listen, it's been really uh, interesting talking to you, uh, Mary. We thank you for your time. Catherine Hayhoe, who you mentioned, I think sounds fascinating as well, doing missionary work down in Texas with the Trump supporters. I mean, she makes Sisyphus's job sound uh, easy. We might have to talk to her, I think, uh, soon on the show as well. Uh, Mary Robinson, former president of Ireland and chair of the Elders. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.